Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. This is the Anne and Phelan Scoop. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Wherever you may be. Whatever time you're listening to this. From Tuvalu to Timbuktu, whatever time zone you're in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's... it's Anne and Phelan time. Yes. It's Anne and Phelan time. It's five o'clock somewhere. It's Anne and Phelan time Wherever somewhere. Wherever you are, yeah. yes. So we have a huge amount to get through today. We do so have I an international actually, audience. Yes, we uh, do. And we, I know we have an international audience. Got people even in, in the Indonesia listening to us. That's right. Um, I'm, we have a huge amount to get through today. So yes. I'm actually going to give quickly, quickly the, uh, the rundown. But actually, it's a brilliant um, actually it's a brilliant podcast today. I think we've got really amazing stories. First story is from our old friend Josh Fox, um, mm. who, who made the documentary Gasland. Um, that we made uh, our documentary Fragnation Frag- in response to, to to that. That's the first one of the first items. Films, um. phones making noises. The second item we're going to be looking at is um, some news from the Bernie Sanders campaign. Some recent uh, shocking news from the Bernie Sanders campaign. Thanks to Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. We have yes. a third story which you might have heard about with Vince Vaughn going to the Clemson game. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, there's a new documentary about Hillary Clinton on yes. Hulu. Aren't we all looking forward to that? What a treat. Um, more things in the arts as well. Um, there's a new HBO documentary about um, how the, the, we're not going to be able to live on the earth. Um, another Actually, another documentary, isn't that right? It's a, gonna, it's a drama uh, series. A drama series, yeah, exactly. And then there's um, another drama series called The Plot Against America. And there is another piece of incredible uh, information from the arts world of an, an arts, exhibition that's uh, opening this week in New just, York. Uh, you will not believe it. We're going to get to that later, but you're not going to believe, believe it. what what the art exhibition in New York is about. You know, New I'm, York has has made a lot of weird artistic choices. This is this this, is, this ranks right up there yeah, with yeah. with all of them. And so, I think don't don't uh, tune out too early to miss out on that. Um, the recipe from today is like an, uh, it's a, re- a re- kind of a non recipe, but it's kind of like a sort of a slight um, variation on something uh, that I've talked about with a lot of love before, but um, is uh, make your bread pudding with old stale croissants. Uh, is, and it's is, a your killer. Br- is your bread pudding your most popular dish do you I think? have to say I just had a lot of people over yesterday for a, for a brunch I made I well made actually sorry we, we had eight because you told two of them to come on, uh, on Sunday uh, and whatever uh, day it was so basically we had a yeah we had a brunch and it, what the funny thing about the brunch was that there was about 10 different things to eat and in amongst all the 10 things there, there was three there was a very large bread pudding it con- consisting of uh, a bread pudding made yes. with, with stale croissants I have to say it was the most popular thing there. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. And uh, And we we will come back to the the bread and butter pudding. And we have um, a movie recommendation that we want to talk about. And we also wouldn't round out our lineup for today. And we'll say this over and over again. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming up to the plate when we made an appeal last week. Um, Really, really really important to keep us on the road yeah. we are so grateful to you you guys and it's so We're every time one of those donations drops it's like you know it's like it's like it's kind of like oh my god and we look at the people, name and we're, people we, like us you know and it's really it's really so really we, nice. we had we had a donor who who, who very generously offered twenty five thousand dollars if we could match it and people have really really stepped up to the plate yeah, and, people and were great. we we can't keep going without these donations uh we do I we think rely I'm, on you. We do a lot um, of work. We have we do FBI Lovebirds. We do the Gosnell movie. Ferguson. We, Ferguson. All these projects that we do, and they're all funded by you. And please keep doing it. Yeah, UnreportedStoriesSociety.com. Yeah, we un- appreciate I should have said that, exactly. Yes. UnreportedStoriesSociety.com. Go to UnreportedStoriesSociety.com and you can give there. You know, this your, your donation creates truth, creates yeah. reality. Yeah. It's change because certainly there's no shortage of content on the left um, with lies, with yep. you know about everything. By the way, about everything, and we're going to be looking at some of that now. Yeah. But there is no shortage of content, and there's no shortage, and it'll be particularly when you hang on for the for the last piece of the of the art about the art exhibition in New York. There's no shortage of money um, pushed into the arts on the left. Spreading, you know, and in an enormous number of cases, spreading yeah. complete lies. Yeah. But um, talking of which, talking of which, a nice segue there that yes. I didn't even. I'm going to say that I knew what I was doing, but I. No, let's, no. Anyway, Phil, let's lies segue in the arts. into the So arts. Josh Fox, our old friend Josh Fox. So, so the, for those of you, I cared so much about this. Actually, normally I just riff. I actually wrote out what I w- wanted to say. That's well, how much I care about this. Look at you, Phil. Yes. So, uh, so for those of you who don't know who Josh Fox is. Josh Fox is the director of Gasland 1, Gasland 2, and 
the third documentary whose name I can never pronounce. Oh, if you ever fell in love with the world and forgot to love the world or something, something. Yes. And uh, anyway, so three HBO documentaries. Gasland, one was nominated for an Oscar, won an Emmy. Um, so he he had sort of faded from the scene a little. He was a Bernie bro, which is very typical for Bernie bro, uh, uh, you know, strong, uh, let's say, you know, um, not uh, yes it, well bernie bros uh, have a reputation of being vicious and nasty online and vicious and nasty in person i think i think if if bernie's kind of a genuine old uncle type and in politics if you're the genuine old uncle you need an army of thugs now you can be the thug and then you need an army of old uncles well, it's you interesting know. we're going to be looking at another thug of bernie sanders yes. today oh, no, but, it's, it's, but let's start yes. with this one so josh fox <laughs> he is the producer director of gasland so and in fact, it was, it was Josh Fox who inspired us to do Frack Nation to tell well, I think the it's truth. Worth mentioning, I think it's worth mentioning that, go, that, the, that the documentary Gasland, you know, has been hugely successful. And I mean yeah. that in a, in a terrible way. Yeah, yeah. So, it's been hugely successful in destroying opportunities for fracking. In fact, the damage, his, the his damage has been done. You know, he, he ensured tens of thousands of farmers are condemned to poverty in upstate New York when fracking was banned. And but actually, you know, every everything has a bright side. He also ensured that Donald Trump got elected <laughs> by by forcing all the Democratic candidates to go anti-science and pledge to ban fracking. And to you know, ban, to ban fracking. Yeah, don't forget, Hillary needed to win Pennsylvania and Ohio to win the election. Uh, but Fox's minority anti-fracking movement wagged the dog and got her to pledge a ban in the very states that ex experienced a localized mini boom because of fracking. So these areas that had experienced decades and decades of decline and depopulation i was in those villages and those Wait, towns you and magda definitely trudge trudge and these are these are ghost town ghost villages and ghost towns and suddenly they were this was all reversed by fracking which provided royalty payments and employment for tens of thousands of families uh and then their expenditures led to prosperity for hundreds of thousands. And Hillary wonders why, after pledging to ban fracking based on fixed science, she lost these states. You lost hundreds of thousands of people, Hillary, because of fracking, because you I, pledged to ban fracking. And can so, I just interrupt you, Phil, and we're going to show that little clip there of, of, of Hillary on the stage um, explaining her position on fracking. Yes. You know, I don't support it when any locality or any state is against it, number one. I don't support it when the uh, release of methane or contamination of water is present. I don't support it, number three, unless we can require that anybody who fracks has to tell us exactly what chemicals they are using. So by the time we get through all of my conditions, I do not think there will be many places in America where fracking will continue to take place. You know, people saw that. And it's very clarifying, by the way. And yes. by the way, this next election, it's very clear as well. There's a very clear decision between yeah. between pretty much every... Actually, no, no, not, not pretty much. Every major serious Democratic candidate, yes. every one of them, says they're going to ban fracking. Yes, they've moved on. on. Hillary, Hillary says, I'm going to introduce so many regulations that fracking will be effectively banned. They're now saying, we're just going to ban fracking. And... And Ohio has had a mini boom because of fracking. Absolutely. Pennsylvania has had not a mini boom, a massive boom <laughs> because of fracking. These are the states you need to win. And by the Wisconsin's way, by the had, way. Wisconsin's had a boom because of the sands that's used sure. for fracking. And you central, the Central Valley in California, which is not, you know, everyone thinks of California as super wealthy. But, you know, you think about the Central Valley in California where, you know, people aren't that wealthy. And again, where yeah. fracking, you know, is obviously offers an amazing opportunity. I mean, having said that, California is not that important for the presidential election. But Pennsylvania and Ohio, I think they are. So now Fox has reemerged. Josh Fox has reemerged with a play. Uh, the truth has changed. And it looks like Fox and the way he behaves has not really changed. Uh, the play was running in the prestigious New York uh, Public Theatre, uh, who, <laughs> little aside here, they um, when, when, when I wanted to bring Ferguson to New York, uh, we approached them and uh, they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when they realized what the play was about, they just ghosted us, no no response at all. <laughs> anyway, this is the, so so the New York Public Theatre. So, um, and it was running as a part of the prestigious Under the Radar Theatre Festival. Very cool. And... Uh, 
And on fr- was it fr- Friday of last week or, or th- Thursday of last week? I got I got an email because I was going to go to one of the performances. I got an email saying your perform the performance has been cancelled, as have all the other performances. I thought that was a bit weird. So of his play, uh, yes, of his play. So uh, I checked it out, and there was poor Josh on Instagram and on Twitter and all. Um, railing against what's really an unprecedented cancelling. I mean, things must have really gone bad. It's very, very unusual. You know, yeah. uh, so he claimed, and I, I don't want to misquote Fox, like he misquotes so many other people. And let's hear him from He claimed, actually, yeah, let's let's play part of his Instagram video, but actually he then expanded on this, but let's, let's play the emotional part of the Instagram video now. So it's with a great deal of sadness and, and anger and um, a heavy heart that I announce that the Public Theater has canceled the remainder of the run of The Truth Has Changed. We believe that the show points out unconscious racism. It talks about the, diff- the relationship between big data, white supremacy, big oil, and unconscious racism and anti-Semitism. We believe the show made them uncomfortable, and we believe that the show, that they're using all of this as an excuse to shut us down. Poor Josh Fox. I mean, like terrible. Would would, would it, would t- it would take a heart of stone not? It would take a heart of stone not to la- not to laugh. At that. Sorry, not to cry. Um, we might have to start another yes. another uh, collection for him. Do you remember? Yes. The, <laughs> we had another collection had for him one time because he was crying. What was he crying over over, the last time? over uh, uh, Trump bombing ISIS? Oh, and he said right. hugs work. So we we offered we collected money to send him to hug ISIS. He and, did not take us up, but we raised the, the way, money. And by the way, we raised the money, and the money went to wounded warriors. Yes. So uh, so. Yeah. You can we can put that up on 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 the uh, on the from the, yeah, from the Indiegogo page. So he claimed, and I, 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 in a subsequent statement, he claimed the statement, and I'm just going to read this was a result of racism and anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism that was deeply ingrained in the public theater and its staff. Apparently, Josh is Jewish. I, I didn't know this. Big right? news to me now. Big I news, have to you say, know. Yep, so yep. Um, uh, it's so you know. Anti-Semitism and racism in the public theater in in New York. He added there were verbal threats, coercion, angry tirades, and physical intimidation. My God! And that the public theater staff had reduced him to tears before his performances. My God! Now the public theater has denied the allegations. Can I just say, I do we feel an Elizabeth Warren moment coming on here? Yeah, this this is an Elizabeth Warren moment. You know that Elizabeth Warren moment. What we mean by an Elizabeth Warren moment is you know that Bernie Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, you know, where she accused Bernie Sanders of of you know that he had said a woman cannot become the president of the United States and. Uh, he's basically saying she's a liar. And you know what? Shocker. Most people are saying, well, who do you believe? Do you believe Bernie Sanders? Do you believe Elizabeth Warren? Because Elizabeth Warren does have a little bit of a history of having difficulties with the, the truth. truth. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. So, long yeah, way I mean, I mean, there. I, I have to say, even if I didn't know Josh Fox's history, accusing people from the most prestigious theatre in New York of being both racist and anti-Semitic. It's just it's not, nonsense. It's just something. It's that thing. It's like yeah, there's something not right here now. What do we? We need yes, to dig a little yeah, bit you deeper. Know, you here. know, the theater community in New York is, would die is, without without Jew, lovely Jewish patrons who are Jewish really, patrons, yeah. Jewish artists, Jewish writers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's not. It's, 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 it's what what's what makes New York theater so wonderful. Yes, you know, yes. it would be you know Woody Allen famously said, "Why is German?" humor so bad because they killed all the Jews. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. it's like, uh, uh, so the, I, I just, it's, it does not, pa- this does not pass the sniff test. But then when you really know Josh Fox, you know it doesn't pass the sniff test. Anyway, the public theater has denied the allegations and claimed that Fox breached the theater's code of conduct on several occasions, hmm. leaving them with no option uh, uh, following his multiple reports reports of, of Fox's violations, no, no options to cancel. And in an interview uh, with the New York Times, uh, the theater spokeswoman, Shariza Bola. Shariza. Bola. Bola. Who is obviously very racist, I'm sure, um, was more specific, saying it was a series of verbal abuses to the staff. Right, so who to believe? The sta- Fox or the staff of the public theater? Well, we can help with the, this conundrum. Uh, in full disclosure, apparently... Uh, our work features in the play. Oh, yes, oh. and you can see. Actually, let's play the little trailer now that Josh released. Part of the little trailer Josh released to promote the the truth has changed, and you can see little pictures of 
myself and our, our actually our hug ISIS video and oh. our famous confrontation with him where we ask him real journalism and he fails the first test. So let's watch that now. Hi, this is Josh Fox. I'm here to tell you about my new project. It's called The Truth Has Changed. About how climate change is real and how fracking is bad, but we can look on the internet and see that the opposite of all those things are true. So how do we know? So yeah, we're, we're in the play and uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to go. Apparently we're part of a massive surveillance and smear campaign against Trump, uh, Fox and his work. And by this, I think he means we've looked at all his claims and put them under the microscope and found, and I want to be quite clear with this, found that he has lied and lied and lied throughout his career. Uh, in short, if it's a choice between believing Josh Fox, the, the director of Gasland, and believing workers at the public theatre, I think I can prove who is the more habitual liar. So he's been making stuff up since the beginning of his documentary career. In fact, the image that made him famous, the scene where the Colorado homeowner lights his tap water and the filmmaker blames fracking, is a lie seen around the world. A simple Google search, which the world's journalists seem incapable of performing, would have shown that the Colorado Oil and Gas Commission had investigated that area's water supply decades before fracking started and found worrisome amounts of methane, naturally occurring methane already in the water supply yeah. decades before fracking started. When I confronted Fox with this information, he admitted knowing this, but let's watch that confrontation there. Let's watch the end and the crucial phrase. Let's watch him admitting you there was methane in the water before fracking, that methane has existed in other places before fracking started, and what, what, why he thinks that's unimportant. Let's watch that. Well, I don't care about the report from 1976. There are reports from 1936 that people say they can light their water on fire in New York State. But that's no bearing on this situation <coughs> at all. I'm curious about why you didn't include relevant reports from 1976 or 1936 in the documentary. There are also reports of people getting hit by cars in Denver in 1987. They're not relevant. Is there a journalistic duty to show that there was problems with gas and water before fracking started? But there weren't. Troublesome amount of methane. What's the, you show me the report and I'll tell you if I think the concentrations are valid. There is methane in groundwater. It happens. Most people watching your film would think that lighting your water started with fracking. You've said yourself, people lit their water long before fracking started. Isn't that correct? Yes, but it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Not Finn. relevant. It's not relevant. Yes. It's not relevant. I'm going to make a documentary where the, you know, the killer moment in it, the, the, the climactic moment in the whole documentary is, oh my God, these people's water is on fire because of the fracking. Yeah. It's completely untrue. And their water was on fire forever. But, you know, and uh, as we know, because we did the research for this film, this documentary, you know, the water was on fire for centuries yeah. all over the United States. Thus the name of all these towns called Burning Springs. Yes. And, but that's not relevant. That's not relevant, according to Josh Fox. So this is who Josh Fox is, if you want to do a little character dive into this yes. guy. But it gets worse. Yeah, I think... And I don't know what you, all the things that you have on that list, Phil, but I think, obviously, the one that... Yes. The worst one, that's much worse, actually, than the burning yeah. water, even though the burning water is obviously a slam dunk, is actually breast cancer, yeah. which is not funny at all. You know? So cancer isn't funny at all. Yes. And to lie about cancer... Well, well let's, is, let's, let's... It's let, despicable. Let's listen to the little clip. For, I mean, it's a big film... Uh, that he released, and let's wa hear him tell the lie of the breast cancer lie. In Texas, as throughout the United States, cancer rates fell, except in one place, in the Barnett Shale. The five counties where there was the most drilling saw a rise in breast cancer throughout the counties. Uh, that frightened millions of women. Uh, but the Associated Press got interested in that claim, uh, the Associated Press reporter, and they tried to find the source. and. In short, they interviewed every expert, expert after expert, and they found, and the experts found, there's no evidence of any such in increase, and that the women and their families have been terrified unnecessarily. And when so they that's so number, ding, ding. Yeah. This is who Josh Fox is. So he would lie about breast cancer. It's, it's inconceivable, by the way. I mean, it really is. I mean, lying that you are, you know, Native American or whatever. What, you know, it's bad enough, by the way, by the way, Elizabeth Warren, uh, It's right? pretty bad. No, I know it's, it's bad It's pretty enough, bad. Taking, you know, taking a job from a minority. So they had a job lying, set aside for a minority. Lying and terrifying people about cancer is, in, it's, um, 
it's inexcusable and it's um, it's unforgivable. Actually, this is who he is. And it just goes on. I mean, his second movie was was based around Pavilion, Wyoming, and the methane in the water there. And they've just released a report, which everyone knew that the methane there was occurring naturally. Uh, yeah. Then, I mean, I, although don't take my word for it that he's a lying uh, uh, dog. Fox, whatever, or the lion fox. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Get go on ahead. Yeah. yeah, that's very good. I like that. See the canine metaphor. Go ahead. So, uh, go to Vulture, uh, the Vulture website, which is a, um, a kind of le- a very leftist uh, culture website, and their reporter Helen Shaw actually attended, uh, was lucky or unlucky enough to attend a uh, was it a screening? No, what is it? A, performance of the show <laughs> the truth has changed a performance of the truth has changed and uh, she she you know she was nipping a little bit about him and said he needed a good editor which i i always think it, you know but editors can't help you tell the truth but he, maybe they would so she complained uh, you know she said you know he, he's a bit strange fox she complained that the show was supposed to run 90 minutes but actually stretched over two hours and then that fox added an unannounced q a now this may seem minor to to to, to you, and me, and and to people out there, because we could we if we want this to last two hours, this podcast, we just because we're the bosses, and no, there's not a, a line of people looking to yes, record the next day podcast. We're ruining, yeah, in our garage, Correct. right? However, but, however, if you're part of a film uh, a festival, the next a show festival is on, like it's it's a so your fellow thespians, you know, are are lined up, ready ready to, to bring take their the show. And by on. the way, super nervous by and the way. And their audiences are there, and yeah. they're doing rehearsals and sound checks. So here's what's and happened. your thing is ninety minutes, and you go to two hours, and then you have an unannounced Q and A. Uh, you know, as she said, this may seem minor, but it kind of major repercussions in a tightly scheduled festival in which every artist needs to share space. So oh, Josh Fox doesn't, doesn't share. Doesn't share. He doesn't, doesn't like share. to share. No respect for the next and for the next set of artists. I like this. And if you let's have the picture up uh, on Instagram uh, from his Instagram feed now. It's the it's the it's the white. Oh, actually, is, it's kind of it's kind of white power. This is so funny. <laughs> so actually. All the audience are all white, by the way. Interesting enough, uh, they're all at the end with their hands up. White power. I or actually, I suppose. Josh Fox Power, and he's he 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 entitles it "Standing Ovation at My Performance." Right, so she 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 was at that performance, and he's and says also at this Helen Shaw in Vulture.com, Also, at the end of the performance, I saw a handful of people stood to applaud, but the majority did not. <laughs> he then asked for us all to stand to raise a fist for freedom and resistance. Then he took a picture, and. I noticed that he recently Instagrammed an image of a unanimous, quote, standing ovation at the public <laughs> in a fist-raised pose he asked for. And then she says, it seems the truth is malleable. Oh, Ooh, right? nice so, one. All right, so, enough enough of Josh Fox for today. But I, ah, but yeah, I, I could keep going. But I, I, and, uh, and you know what? I know you could film, so I'm going to definitely stop you. But I think that's, that is, and that segues well into, by the way, because, you know, when you think about it, that sort of sounds like the Russians, you know what I mean? Where they where they manipulate the photographs and yes. stuff, right? So um, so we've had this, uh, well, actually, Jim, so James O'Keefe did this amazing Pro- sting on- Project uh, Veritas. Project Veritas did an amazing sting on the Bernie Sanders campaign. And it's a great story. And basically, you know, I'll just, I'm, there's a guy called, and the sting was done on a guy called Kyle Jurek, who's an Iowa field organizer for the Sanders campaign. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, actually. We're going we're gonna to play um, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe's clip of how they... Um, how they stung this guy, who is not a nobody, and what he said. And by the way, apologies in advance for all the bleeping. You can imagine, obviously, this guy, how he spoke. So let's just just play that. There's a reason Joseph Stalin had gulags, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, gulags were a lot better than like what the CIA has told us that they were. Like people were actually paid a living wage in gulags. They had conjugal visits in gulags. Gulags were actually meant for like re-education. Greatest way to break a billionaire of their like privilege and their idea that they're superior. Go out and break rocks in 12 hours a day. You're now a working class person and you're gonna learn what that means. Right? So basically here we have um, um, uh, uh, an organizer, as I said, the field organizer, the Iowa field organizer for uh, for the Sanders campaign, basically saying that gulags were lovely, actually. Do you know what yes. I mean? You could have conjugal rights. Um, you got paid. Um, you had free education. And, you know, all this and kind I'll of... And I'll teach you how not to be a Nazi. 
yeah, teach you how not to be a Nazi. And by the way, we're going to have to have the gulags here if Trump gets re-elected. Actually, let's right? play some of Morva's tips about 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 re-education and uh, Milwaukee, how how Milwaukee's going to burn uh, if if uh, if Trump gets re-elected. Well, no, actually, he says if Milwaukee's going to burn. If Sanders isn't chosen as the candidate, because that's where oh, Milwaukee even, yeah. is the location of the 2020th uh, Democratic National Convention. So let's play some more of his uh, choice comments about, uh, about democracy and, uh, and, and coercion. Yeah, they, they seem emboldened. They're, they have been emboldened by, by Trump, all that rhetoric and shit. Um, but they are scared <laughs> senseless of anti-fascists. Like, even, like, even, like, the ones that are kind of, like, you know, the right-wing people. The only thing that works, the only thing that fascists understand is violence. So the only way that you can confront them is with violence. So if Trump gets re-elected, what? F***ing cities burn. What we gotta do? Yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of time left. We have to save, like, human civilization. And obviously, Trump and don't give two about making sure that the world doesn't burn. Bernie doesn't get the nomination. Bernie goes to the second round at the DNC convention. So what's interesting is, um, as we tape this, so far there has been no um, reaction from the Bernie Sanders campaign. And by the way, the other thing that's quite extraordinary is that mainstream media has seemed very incurious about a guy who is not a nobody, who is somebody, you know, who's well, in a leadership position. There was a debate. These tips were released before the last debate. And, it and was, they were yeah. never asked on stage about your uh, Iowa field organizer uh, who, who thinks that, uh, that people need re-education. Uh, so I that they're going to burn Milwaukee if, if if they don't get what they want. That well, you know that people, you know, basically advocating for violence against people who you dis- disagree with politically. Does Bernie Sanders agree with that? But that wasn't one of the questions. But it's interesting, you know, this kind of soft um, description of gulags and speaking positively about gulags. It got me thinking. I thought, my God, this is like because I'd never heard that before. Like if this is new. It was very new to me to hear anyone speaking in a positive way about gulags um, when I was growing up. And it's very, it's just really interesting when I was growing up. Um, it was kind of, it wasn't like required reading, but I feel like everyone I knew, or certainly, I, I just have such a very clear memory of myself reading um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Arch. And then following it up again with one li- one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich, um, which had a huge impact on me. And I mean, I wasn't even a great reader, but um, I really w- want to add that anyone out there who has uh, you know young people or any young people listening, you, you, you really do yourself a favor and educate yourself on what a gulag really is. But while I was checking out, um, you know. Is it possible other people have these romantic notions about gulags? I found a story from 2018 in the the UK's Telegraph. Gulags, apparently, uh, according to a bunch of students, were compassionate compassionate educational institutions, say trans right campaigners. Students at a leading university have been condemned as blind to reality after defending the system of Soviet gulag labour camps, where thousands perished as compassionate places of rehabilitation. Trans rights campaigners at Goldsmiths University described the gulags as benign places where inmates inmates received education, training and enjoyed the opportunity to take part in clubs, sports and theatre groups. In fact, most historians agree there were brutal network, there were a brutal network of labour camps used by Stalin's Soviet dictatorship to incarcerate internal opponents and so-called enemies of the state. I mean, we're showing some photographs, right, as I speak here, we're showing photographs here of what the gulags actually looked like. I have to say, I found this really chilling to read, to realise that these are highly educated, you know, inverted commas, sorry, mm. excuse me, inverted commas, highly educated young people at universities, at some of the top universities around the world, who are who think this absolute nonsense and it makes us remember and Magda's sitting here you know uh, doing the producing today and it's just you know to think that you know her son would be would have an, would have to have an education would you know would end up having an education like this that would ruin his beautiful brain with nonsense yeah. with stupidity with things that are absolutely untrue um, it's really disturbing actually um, that, that these are people at university these aren't people like working in a factory somewhere who well, got some I, kind I think of, it's, it's you know, funny the more I 
see universities actually i find it, i think it's not disturbing that they're at universities only people at university was, could have thought would, something so stupid would, 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 could, could be educated so they have such stupid opinions yeah like just just to get a sense of how awful this was um the estimate the estimate is that over a million people died in gulags and most of those people died of starvation of treatable diseases um they, they literally starved to death i mean one of the descript i mean i just remember those descriptions from solzhenitsyn because he was there he was in a gulag and he you know he would wake you know you woke up in the morning to work for 18 16 hours a day with an empty stomach and you know he, he and he and his descriptions are magnificent and i really do highly recommend people to go back and read um solzhenitsyn's work what an incredible what an incredible legacy that he left and it's what a frightening prospect that people are not reading and knowing about this um, also they were, they were gulags there was no uh, court case they weren't found oh, yeah, guilty that's of, right. you know they hadn't done anything they hadn't done anything oh right? they had bad thoughts though they had bad thoughts which which and then and then just to remind maybe us they told uh, a joke and by the way let's remember let's remember our, why we talk, start talking about this story in the first place so Kyle Durek from Iowa would like to see um, Trump supporters in, in gulags so. and by the way he's not drunk when he says that he's not you know, he hasn't got, like, no one has come out and said the guy was having a mental uh, breakdown or anything. You know, he's saying this, and he's super educated and articulate, and this is this is what he says and what he believes. So very, very yeah. disturbing. Yeah. So what's happened to, Phil, and what happened to Vince Vaughn? So Vince Vaughn tried to go to see him, uh, 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 the Clemson game, right? Yes. So Clemson played, just for those of you who actually follow sports, Phil and I know nothing, but um, Clemson, um, LSU defeated Clemson in a in a uh, 42 to 25. By the way, was that football, Phil? That was football. Fair enough, good God. Thank God I got that right. And it was apparently, according to what's written here, it was a championship game. There you go, a championship which, game. Which championship, Anne? Oh, big football championship to have in the Americas. Right. Yeah, Phil and I don't know anything about your strange games, so don't be writing to us about strange your strange games. We know we know of a game called soccer. Yes. That's our version of, so, of football. Yeah. And, and we have and an Gaelic Irish football. version of it, by the way, Gaelic football, which is only played by, um, by thugs. You know what they say. That's so rugby a, well, is a gentleman's game played... Rugby is a thugs game played by gentlemen. Soccer is a gentleman's game played by thugs, and Irish football is a thugs game played by thugs. And that you can multiply that by four if it's from if they're from Tyrone. It's very it, yeah. It's like it's like one of those. It's like a Game of Thrones episode kind of thing, yes. isn't it? It's so like to that, Tyrone, yeah. Tyrone, where I'm no from, protection so Tyrone, either, where I'm from, we're kind of like the New England Patriots. We're the team that everyone loves to hate. Ah, isn't that lovely? But we love you, Phil. Yes. All right. What happened if we were Vince Vaughn? Because I love him, by the way. I've loved him and everything he's Dragged ever done. Dragged across concrete was great. What, what was that other one they were in? It was in with Mel Gibson recently, but it played two cops. Oh. Was it Drag Across Concrete? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, oh, it, it, that's a great movie. Like, it's tough to watch, but it, it was one of those movies that But deserved. I liked all his romantic comedies, too. Yes. I liked the one about where the, the wedding crashers and stuff like that. Anyway, I really liked him. I really liked him. And then, actually, I found out that he's actually, he, his politi- politics is fairly, runs fairly conservative, which is kind of nice. But anyway... Well, he's, he's one of these people, oh, actually, I'm a libertarian. No, you're not a conservative. So he went no. to uh, this Clemson game, the LSU Clemson game. What happened, Phil? He, uh, we're going to look at it now. Was walking actually. past, yeah, he, he was literally walking past the VIP box, saw a a man called President Donald Trump and his wife Melania stopped. I would say for forty five seconds, passed the time of day with the president, spoke to him, stood up very respectfully, shook hands with the president, and shook hands. He shook hands with the first lady. Let's watch it now. Uh, this this terrible thought and process crime that he committed. So Vince was next to Donald and Melania, Trump, and seemed to be having a pleasant conversation with the US president. And then he shook his hand before saying his goodbyes. The left wants to cancel Vince for being so polite to Donald. The right is loving how freaked out the left is getting. So Twitter went nuts. I know. Like, well, social media went nuts. Yeah, and-, and They the, wanted him canceled. They wanted him canceled. You know, this thing of canceling people, which is where you just destroy their lives completely. And their and, career. And their career. Uh, because, because, he, because he shook the hand of the President of the United States. Um, it's really disgraceful. He had kind of actually, he had a kind of a, what's her name? Um, an Ellen DeGeneres moment. So Ellen DeGeneres had a similar moment quite recently where she had been spotted sitting. But I mean, her situation was actually somehow somehow worse. She'd been invited by uh, George W. Bush to attend um, a, another sporting yeah. event. Um, and actually... Um, it's actually worse because it turns out, according to Ellen DeGeneres, that herself and George W. Bush were actually friends. So, yeah. oh, shocking. Um, and I, think, she I, think, to- I think George W. Bush, you know, I'm old enough to remember when he was a racist, uh, according to the left, and a, and a war criminal. According but, to the left. But now he's gone into this place where... 
He's lovely now. He's lovely because the ga- current guy is a total racist and a total war criminal. A- everyone. So uh, we, we need to remember that Republican presidents and Republican candidates are racist when they're running for election. But then when they're not running for election, they're, 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 descri- it's, they're part of a golden age that the current candidate does not match up to because the current candidate is a super racist and super just utterly criminal. appalling. So that's what in every that's way. the way it is with George so, W. So moving right along to president, ex presidents, and presidential, and all of that. Um, great segue. Great, great segue. Hillary Clinton, Hulu have decided to make a documentary. Um, oh, a no holds barred or whatever no document, barred. whatever they call no it. No holds barred. You know, everything's on the record or whatever documentary about um, Hillary Clinton. Um, we're going to look at the. We can we can we can play that. We can play a small piece of the of a clip of from from that right now. Do we have to? I didn't grow up thinking about going into politics, but much to my surprise, was elected president of the Young Republicans. I got into law school. I thought I'm gonna try to make a difference in people's lives. I took a class and I saw Hillary sitting there. And he was watching me. She closed her law book. I said, if you're gonna keep looking at me and I'm gonna keep looking back, we ought to know each other's names. I'm Hillary Rodham, who are you? As long as she has been in public life, there have been these ups and downs. You know, be our champion, go away. You wanna make a difference, you wanna have an impact. Well, then you got to get in the arena. It's pretty awful, by the way. Just yes. even even the trailer is pretty awful. But uh, but but I think the, the only reason we actually decided to do this was because they had a recent screening of it at um, TCA, which is what which is the um, Television Critics Association, right? right? And, and no, actually, it's where they announced it and they screened the the, doc, the the trailer, and Hillary was there. Like Hillary went to it, and this is the world. This is the world and America's television critics. This is this is a bunch of people who love TV, who who are keen and mad. For the latest scoop and the latest story and this was announced no one knew this was coming Hillary was there but you know bit of a celebrity and uh, And guess what happened she expected so she had this thing where she sort of expected that these mad rushed you know a scrum a big big scrum or whatever and uh, yeah there wasn't a scrum of people wanting to talk to her afterwards and she was actually standing there going okay you can come up and ask me questions now because I'm so relevant and everyone's going well, there's a, there's a you know Game of Thrones uh, reboot you know actually there's announced. a free bar you know yes or whatever yeah, yeah or but I, anyway I have everyone to collect my child from childcare or whatever it is no one wanted to talk to her she was disappointed she was looking forward to the but, scrum but didn't happen you know it's just so the world is not crying out for a Hillary Clinton documentary clearly <laughs> this is the, one of the most investigated and analysed women in history yes and I can guarantee you one thing that in her interviews. She said she gave 35 hours of interview. She has said nothing new or interesting yeah, yeah. or new revelations. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, and I can guarantee you that the the person asking the questions will have not have done the proper research and allow her to glide over the truth and lie at particular times. Uh, you know, they will not have gone out to conservative journalists who say no Benghazi or who know the Whitewater scandal, who know the, the, the forensic detail. And this is what you should do for each of these is, is, is find her enemies and find the evidence against her. So when she says something during the interview, you can go, actually... This, there's a document that says this, yes. but they will not have done no, that. No, no, no. So it'll be this not. nice... Uh, granny, granny gets to talk. Interview, yeah, uh, about and look and look sort of and look sort of sweet and, and loving yes. and all that kind of thing. And but but firm and, and, and caring about America, and and maybe she was all of those. But she has a history, and that history needs to be examined in a four-part documentary. And I can guarantee you, it will not. And I can guarantee you, the documentary will be awful. I'm actually realizing we're kind of running um, yes. a bit tight on time, so there's a couple of things I want to do. I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about these right now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I have time at the end. But I think what I really want to get on to now that I think is really important because it's happening this week is um, we mentioned at the top of the show we talked about um, an art exhibition in New York, and this is fairly extraordinary and shocking, and um, I, I just think it deserves quite a bit of time of our time. So basically. There is an art exhibition that is just opening this week called Abortion is Normal. And it's opening in New York City, um, close to Soho. Um, And basically, um, it's an emergency exhibition about reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. And um, born from this exchange, you know, the title may shock, but Abortion is Normal 
is meant to create an inc- I mean, you know, this is, you can't write this, like, you couldn't parody write this stuff. This is from The Guardian. An inclusive and empath- empathetic entry point into the conversation, dismantling the stigma surrounding abortion and working as an urgent call to action. The exhibition includes participants of all races, and all genders, some of whom have had abortions. All 72. Some of whom have all had abortions. All men who have had abortions, yes. And others who are soon to be or current parents. Or current parents. It was important for us to have an intersectional exhibition. Intersectional. Intersectional Except exhibition. Except for people who might have difficulties with yeah, abortion. Right. Or feelings that about ranged. anti-abortion. Or, and, uh, but why, if, if abortion is normal, there's just one big exhibit that's missing from this abortion. Now, we haven't been to the exhibition yet. But we are going because we... But we'll go. We're we'll going go to be because in because you don't have to. Yeah. And so we'll, yeah. We're, we're, you know, we are going there. And we will tell you, but I can tell you now, and it's quite clear from all the publicity surrounding it, that the mechanics of an abortion are not made clear in the abortion is normal uh, So it was important, let me just finish what these guys said who who organised this. It was important for us to have an intersectional exhibition that ranged not only in gender demographics, but because we have people of all gender identities between the two spaces addressing a variety of reproductive rights issues. The project is refreshingly grassroots. Most <laughs> attendees, yeah, most attendees at the opening learned about abortion as normal directly through participating artists and via social media. In the DIY spirit, Zion style, foldouts were distributed rather than catalogues and several, several luminaries contributed new works specifically created for the show, including whatever proceeds for the show. Love this. Proceeds for the show will be split between Planned Parenthood and downtown for democracy a pack launched in 2003 the show which came together in a matter of weeks rather than months or years reflects this immediacy um people were really enthusiastic about making this happen especially at the beginning of an election year so we pulled all hands on deck with volunteer help picking up work and with consignment and loans. It was a huge team effort, but it's something that I hope will change people's minds about choice. That several blue chip artists whose work fetches in the tens of thousands on auction were willing to donate a truly unique Living in these times, no is not an option, said the artist Robert Whoever, who donated a full-scale work. So many have worked so hard and for so long to safeguard these rights, whatever. Here's a quote from the organizer of the exhibition. We're trying to protect our children and our younger female friends. She pointed out that the show is not a contribution to one candidate and it certainly is powerful in whatever. The exhibition comes as part of a wave of art excuse me, and social projects meant to normalise abortion, including Shout Your Abortion and Abortion Out Loud and fits into the larger history of using art okay, to power fine, social change. Fine, fine, fine. And here's, a, here's what we want to contribute. We want to, we, actually, we'd love to contribute an exhibit for the exhibition. So we're going to show that exhibit right now. We're going to show that exhibit right now. And what we're showing is a clip from the movie Gosnell. And it's a clip showing... And, it's, and, and, we have, and we're totally on the record on this. More than two good legal abortion doctors gave evidence during the trial of Kermit Gosnell in order for the jury to be told and to understand what a good legal abortion what looked like. What a normal like. abortion is. And so we decided, when we, when we read that testimony, we decided to put that testimony into our movie. And I think I am on the record as saying this, and I don't think anyone's ever challenged me. I don't think anyone has ever done that before. I don't think that exists anywhere else in the cinematic world. This is a description, a verbatim description by experts of what a normal abortion it is. So all we've done is edit it down. We're making abortion normal. Let's hear the clip. Let's hear it. So when you inject the fetus, do you put the needle here? No. Here? Yes. Right there. And that stops the heart. That's correct. And then you use forceps. You use these and you reach up in there and you grab a hold of an arm or a leg or whatever and you pull on it until it comes out or comes off. Correct? That's correct. But with larger fetuses, they remain intact. Of course, because the head's bigger makes it more difficult. What do you do then? We use a machine to suction out the gray matter. The gray matter, the brains. So you suction out the brains, and then what happens? Then the skull collapses, and the fetus can be removed. Right. 
Now, isn't it true that sometimes in order to get the suction machine into the fetus, you have to use a pair of scissors to make a hole in the back of the neck? Sometimes this happens, yes. So before when you said that you'd never cut the neck of a fetus. I was referring that... to a live birth. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I get it now. Have you ever had a live birth during an abortion attempt, doctor? No, I have not because we listened to the sonogram to ensure that the fetal heart has stopped. Well, what if you made a mistake? We don't. Well, what if you did? Objection, hypothetically, Your Honor. Your Honor, she's a medical expert. I'd like to have her opinion. Overruled. I'm going to allow the question, but stay on point, Counselor. What would you do if the baby was out and it was breathing? We would is issue comfort care. Comfort care? Can you define that for us? That's keeping the fetus warm and comfortable. Eventually, it will pass. Eventually, it would pass. So basically, you'd, you'd let it die. Seems like it'd be more humane to just take a pair of scissors. Objection! We would like to volunteer, we're gonna volunteer to give that exhibit to the abortionist normal people because the one thing, as Phelan, I think you said earlier, what's, what's the exhibit that they're gonna be missing out on? Uh, well, look, it's very simple nowadays with small cameras and pe people who want to be on TV and reality TV. You can actually film an abortion Why not? from beginning to end. Absolutely. Go you for can, it. From the person getting getting their uh, pregnancy results to, to the person whose job it is to assemble the aborted baby on a tray at the end. Uh, and then put it in a medical waste bag and then have it uh, destroyed by whatever means they do. Yeah, because it's normal. All, all that normal. can be filmed now, but with multiple high-definition cameras. Correct. If abortion is normal, why, why won't you show an abortion? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you include that? The reason is because if you showed an abortion, 90% uh, of the women who see it would, would not have an abortion. I, I don't know. I'm this ten, It's a funny old world out there, and, uh, you know, but I'm just saying ninety. I'm just saying there's something. The more you, you learn, know, the more you learn about an abortion, the less people yeah, seem to like. There's about something it. very, very dishonest about an exhibition that's called "Abortion Is Normal." If it doesn't show an abortion, if it doesn't show, you know, it? the products of abortion, whatever as they call them, you know. I mean, one of the things that always struck me, and I think it's, it's you know, I'm, our imagination certainly is firing over this, yes. over this announcement. But one of the things, the certain things that that really um, will always stick with me about the um, discoveries we made during the, the Gosnell um, when we were doing the work for the Gosnell movie and the book, you know, just little things because I would be looking through photographs from the clinic and one of the things that always struck me was there was a sieve you know like a sieve that you'd have like f for making bread and stuff like that like that like a literally a, a domestic sieve and you know I had to ask somebody what it was for and you know they often talk about these early abortions you know people talk and they kind of dismiss the early abortions as kind of like you know it's not it's a nothing burger you know and and actually we get criticized people who are you know who are pro-life get criticized for oh you're always talking about late-term abortions no well let, let me talk about early abortions then so in the early abortions they use a the suction machine and they have this sieve so the sieve is that you then empty the container and someone who is not a doctor, who's a regular functionary in, a, in an abortion clinic, probably one of the lowest paid people in, the, in that abortion clinic, finds all the pieces. To make, and sure no, to make sure there's none left to in. To make sure, and it's absolutely essential you do that, that no pieces be left behind because otherwise they would, you know, they would cause, um, sepsis. cause, cause sepsis and all of that. So that's a job somebody does. So there's a bit of a normal abortion for you. And I think it'd be great if they could include that in the exhibition. And okay. I, you know what? You know, let's show, let's see their courage and their bravery. But Phil and I will be reporting to you guys from that exhibition. Yeah. We're definitely going to be going there. Okay. Um, sorry. So moving, moving right along. Um, but it's a, it's, oh, yeah. it's very shocking. Oh, and by the way, I think I think as we spoke there, you know, I mean, you saw some of the exhibits that they are going to include. Let's. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about uh, bread and butter pudding. Aren't we? We're going to talk about bread and butter pudding, and you know, and I, I don't care that I talked about bread and butter pudding a lot. I don't care because honestly. Anyone out there who wants their friends and family to think that they're a genius should really 
just make a bread and butter pudding. And the real trick, obviously, I said it before, is the staler that the bread is, the better. You don't want blue on it now, but you want it to be really hard. And the really good trick, and my little trick this week, and I have to say we did get a very, very good response when we made it for the brunch, was to use stale croissants. And by the way, you can buy croissants super cheap, by the way, at Costco. I just spotted them yesterday. Like, you could buy, like, I don't know, like 25 of them for, like, $5.00. Take them out of the packaging and let them get really dry. And you know what else you could do? You could put them into the oven and just put the oven at a low temperature and let them dry out and dry out and dry out. The drier they are, the nicer your your um, your your bread and butter pudding is going to be. And then you make that, and uh, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The custard is it's you know it's really any quantities at all. And I know that people really dry some nuts, but you can. And I have sent I've sent the recipe out before, but basically I I reverse the quantities. They have usually it's more milk than cream, and I do the exact opposite. I do more cream than milk. God, it's just the best thing ever. And you serve that piping hot out of the oven with uh, vanilla ice cream and people will think you're a genius. And it's pleasant to be thought of as a genius. You know, it's nice. And talking to geniuses, I actually want to do a quick shout out on the the very end of this show for a movie that we would highly, highly recommend to you guys. And that film is To End All Wars. Screenplay is written by our friend Brian Godawa, and it's really interesting. I, I took a note of the dates. So it came out before the book Unbroken was written yeah. and before the movie, obviously, Unbroken was made. And it's the movie, it's the movie Unbroken should have been. Um, and it's, it's very, very powerful. I will just warn people that it's very violent, and I right. find that it's very violent. I would say if you're watching, it's got an R rating for the violence, and what I would say is I would recommend, for those of you who are like me, who don't like violence, I covered my eyes because I wanted to feel them to see, see, to see it all in case I missed something. But you could always fast forward over the little bits yeah. where it's very violent. But it's really worth seeing. It's very powerful. It's a piece of... Um, it's a spiritual st- story. It's a true story. It's exactly true um, what you see on, on the screen. It's, it's, it's brilliant. To end all wars, and it's on Amazon. And if you have Amazon Prime, excuse me, you'll get it for free. I think we've sort of come to the end. Again, yes. I think the last thing that we really want to do is say thank you again yeah. to everyone. It's, you're, you're keeping us, you're keeping the lights on here and we're really, really grateful for you. And every time you write, every time you send in money, it's like, it's, it's, it just means the world to us and we're super, super grateful. Okay, well, thank you. Yes, uh, we, we do appreciate it. And thanks. And uh, and we'll be seeing you. You'll hear from us very soon about that exhibition in New York. Yeah, because we're going to be in New York. We're going to be for, in New York. And we'll talk about that again. Thanks so, so much. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye everyone.